0: Hi everybody, I'm Chip and I am an alcoholic. Yes. Sober by the grace of God, twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, strong sponsorship since February the fourth of nineteen ninety two. There's a few of us ninety two babies here tonight. I, I heard a couple of them speak a little while ago. Um, I uh like to thank Keith and Sue for having Gina and I out here. It's it's really a neat deal and uh I get to share it with her and that even makes it better for me. Uh I've been out here before. I love you guys. I remember the first time I met you, I I was out here in 96, and and, uh, I wondered what you had. And uh, there was an electric atmosphere that I hadn't experienced anywhere else before. uh, So I went back home and I tried to recreate that. And uh, my home group is Dog Without a Roof. (laughs) 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 And... uh, We've kind of mimicked, uh, the dog on the roof and, uh, and it, and it took off. Uh, it took me a couple of years to get it all together, to get it off and going, but, uh, it's, it's going strong. You know, we have a, between a hundred and a hundred and fifteen guys there every week and, uh, and we're carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and, uh, we reel really in them newcomers. Uh, you know, I heard somebody say something about, uh, Lassoing them, and, uh, that's just about what we do. (laughs) Uh, we, uh, you know, we serve free food, and that gets them in there. (laughs) And free soda, and, uh, some of the guys, uh, wives, wives make, uh, homemade baked goodies and stuff, and, uh, and we let the newcomers share there, and, uh, as, as the dog does, and, uh, and boy, they like to talk. And, uh, I'm the gong man. They get three minutes, and, uh, that's it. Bang! <laughs> that's my commitment. I like it. Power. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then we have somebody get up over some sobriety and share, and it's really a good deal. And, uh, and I got that from you all, and, uh, it's helped a lot of guys. We got a sober house there, and, uh, and, uh, some things similar to what you have here. We aren't quite as regimented as you, but, you know, uh, we're doing what we can with what we got to work with. <laughs> and, uh, it's a pretty neat deal. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to share with you what I do on a daily basis. That'll kind of calm me down, allow God to get in here and give you a message of hope. I, I hope. Uh, typical day for me is, uh, genus alarm goes off and uh, I lay there. <laughs> she gets up and puts a coffee on. And uh, I lay there and I ask God to direct my thinking today. I ask him to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. And uh, I know a little bit about divorce. I'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> As you get rid of. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I lay there for a while, and then I go down and wake her up because she usually goes back to sleep on the couch. And 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 then she gets moving. I get my coffee, and we let the dogs out, feed the critters, and 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 then I go get my little boy up. And I got a four-year-old boy, and get him dressed. And 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 then I get the off. school and work and uh and i have my time with god and and, uh i read my meditation books and uh, i read six of them have for the last few years and uh wasn't always that way i mean when i started off it was just i read a sentence out of the big book and run and uh you know but it says we must grow spiritually and uh and that helps me get in the frame of mind so when i get on my knees uh and ask God to keep me clean and sober. And I do the third, seventh, eleven step prayer. And, uh, a lot of times I gotta do that fourth step prayer. I mean, some of you are familiar with that. And, uh, and, uh, I go, uh, I go out and face the day. And, uh, I, uh, like I said, I put my spiritual armor on for the day. And, uh, I work with the public. I got a little heating and cooling company. And, uh, i mean people's houses. Uh, Throughout the day, and uh, you know, and I, I hire only recovering alcoholics to work for me. Uh, and I usually got a new guy with a year or less in my truck with me, and uh, and uh, that's helped me immensely. Helps me be a better man. I gotta be an example of Alcoholics Anonymous throughout the day, and uh, I uh, you know. Like I said, I gotta be spiritually fit because you go in somebody's house when it's 98 degrees out and get their air conditioner fixed that's been broke for two days. They're really grateful, and uh, I've been offered beers, joints, blinds, their old lady. <laughs> so I gotta be spiritually fit, trust me. And, uh, and so uh, I try to get that spiritual armor on every every day before I leave. I uh, I'll give you one little, for instance, uh, a few of the guys know this guy, uh, he's a newcomer, and he was in my truck with me, and and we were in tearing out this in-house air conditioner, it was huge, and uh, we had to tear it apart to get it out of there, and uh, he's about three months sober, and it's the little con, Scott, the mechanic, and, uh, and uh, he's about three months sober, and, And so we're tearing this thing out. We finally get to where we pulled away from the wall. I said, "What in the hell is this?" There's a bottle back there. I picked it up, and and I read it. And I said, "Scott, you know what this is?" He says, "Yeah, man, that's liquid cocaine." He was seizing up on me right there on the spot. (laughs) A whole bottle of it. I'm about 10 years sober, something like that at the time, and I first thought in my mind was, man, this is a lot of money. Yeah. And the second thought right behind that was, well, you have to try it see if it's any good. And <laughs> I threw that sucker down, and thank God it didn't bounce on the carpet. It hit a register and broke in a thousand pieces, or you probably have a different speaker. I don't know. But he wasn't right. We both had to go shit, and,
1: <laughs> you know? <laughs> That day was done. <laughs> so I like
0: getting my spiritual arm rolling, you understand now. So anyway, <laughs> glad I did that day. Uh, you know, I uh, go out and try to do an honest day's work for an honest dollar. I do that best of my ability. And, uh, uh, you know, every... Uh, Every night I go to a meeting, I, I've cut way back on my meetings, I only go to seven a week now, uh, and, uh, that's true, I've cut back, you know, some stuff's happened in the last two or three years of my life that's made that, uh, a necessity, I'll put it, and, uh, (coughs) I'll get to that in a minute, uh, sponsor some guys, and I got a couple sponsors, I got a local guy that, uh, I watch, and, uh. You know, he showed me how to live this program, and uh, and then I call Keith every week. And see, I travel around wherever he's at if he's close, and uh, he's going. Him and Sue are going to be in town uh, in about three weeks, I believe, and uh, look forward to that. And uh, they've both been uh, essential to my recovery. I'll put it that way, and uh, I, I couldn't. Uh, I wouldn't be here without them um anyway uh that's kind of what i do first 15 years i was sober i uh went to a prison meeting every tuesday uh i've gotten away from that and i'm getting ready to get back into that um well one of the guys one of the guys i was going in there with got us kicked out uh he got into it with one of the co's and i don't know about here but Back in Ohio the COs are sicker than the inmates, yeah, all seriousness and uh but the guy that was with me, uh he's a little sicker than both and uh he mooned the guy.
1: <laughs>
0: so ask us not to come back anymore. <laughs> we've been going in there for almost twenty years and uh, <laughs> Yeah. So we're fine. we've got it we've got it worked out, we're getting in another place, so <laughs> that's Kind of guys I hang out with. He's about 30 years sober. <laughs> Tank. Anyway, uh, so that's kind of what I do. I sponsor some guys, quite a few guys, and, uh, people ask me all the time, how many you sponsor? And, you know, I don't really do a head count, you know, because some of them are revolving doors. It's hard to keep track, but, uh, you know, uh, old timer. I heard him say, "I sponsor one too few," and, uh, and that's my answer to that. Uh, I, uh, like I said, I, people ask me all the time. Said so Chip, "Do you need to go to seven meetings a week to stay sober?" And the answer to that is probably not. I can stay freaking sober on three or four. <laughs> You know, that's the truth. (laughs) My dog and cat don't even come around me while I'm doing three or four. I've done that experiment. It don't work for me. Uh, uh, You know, probably why I lived alone for eight years (laughs) here recently. (laughs) Uh, I uh, I drank, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Uh, You know... When I was 14 years old, we lived in a big city, you know. And uh, my parents, I I got in a lot of trouble because I had a bad attitude, and I fought a lot. And uh, my parents seemed to think it was the big city. They were very well intentioned, you know, people, and uh, and uh, they thought it was the big city that was the problem. And they moved me to their little hometown, this little hick town called Nelsonville, down in the hills of southern Ohio, and uh, had my first number one resentment against my parents you know and uh you know the big book says that's our number one offender and uh and i was going to show them you know i grew up in a normal home both my parents in it they were loving kind parents uh gave me everything i needed most of what i wanted and uh you know i have no excuse for the animal i later became uh i want to get that right out there uh I have two younger sisters that appear to be normal. Uh, the one smokes pot and drinks socially, doesn't have a problem with it. The other one doesn't do anything at all. We kind of wish she would. <laughs> God love her. I'm going to see her here next weekend, and I'll be good for another year. <laughs> Queen Bee. Anyway, uh... uh so they were well intentioned by doing that, and uh, uh, I hadn't drank up to this point, and uh, but we, we moved down there. They took me down there to that little hick town where the people even talked funny, and uh, and I was gonna show them, and that's what I set out to do. And I, and I started my path to you. Uh, I started drinking, and uh, At 14, and no major consequences. Next three years, no big deals. And, uh, you know, but, you know, and I I can't say I drank alcoholically, but looking back, I can see where I was alcoholic, clear back then, because it consumed my every thought. Months into this deal, I'm staying busy cleaning alcohol one day, and uh, I run across this Manila info. And it's full of these little mini white crosses. From here, uh, four or five years prior, and I was stuff and you know I you know, so I ate a handful of them like I was when I quit. You know, I ate them, chased down some orange juice, and man, they wasn't stale.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: zipping around there, cleaning this, fixing that. Never owned a CB in my life, but it seemed like they did the time. Let's get her up there. <laughs> put this thing up there, man. The wind catches me. it. Blows it into these high tension wires. And I got three jolts of 7,200 volts. Bam me, kill me, deader in the door now. And the uh, lady from next door was a nurse. She came over. She told my wife, She said, I'm sorry, honey, he's gone. And uh, I guess a minute or two later, I jumped up said, What the? Happened in my life, now I'm really wired.
1: <laughs>
0: Paramedics are chasing me around the yard, but I'm staying ahead of them. <laughs> I'm telling them I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, I just blew the ends of my toes off, knocked all my feelings out of my teeth. My hair's falling out a little bit, but I'm okay. Leave me alone. You know, I was talking some shit. He said, oh, dude, we got to check you out. <laughs> Come find out everywhere I had metal touch and it burnt me. Had a watch band on, a wedding band, and all I had on besides that was a pair of cutoffs. Kind of wish I took time to put the old underwear on that day, because uh, <laughs> that zipper got really hot. For real.
1: <laughs>
0: and they uh, checked me out some more and come find out I had a crescent wrench in this pocket, a pair of pliers in this pocket, and, and I'd ground out against this trailer, and they said all that electricity went right out my ass. and... Today I got a crescent wrench on this cheek, a pair of on this cheek, apparently burning in my hind end, and he said I had to show you guys, but I ain't.
1: <laughs>
0: Gina will tell you. <laughs> uh, you know, you guys, I won a lot of money in the bars. Bet me a beer they ain't on there. <laughs> I literally showed my ass all over the stable how I went a beer was that. I did. I just talked crap to you ladies too. I said, hey baby, I got all the tools to fix you. Let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> My motto was real men anyway you can. I'm so sick. Man, and anyway, Paramacs want me to go to the hospital. I won't go. I said, well, what are you going to do for me anyway? He said, we're going to sedate you so you don't go into shock. I said, look, dude, I know how to sedate myself. And that little paramedic said, I bet you do. I said, oh, I do. He said, if you're not going with us, we suggest you take it easy for the next 24 hours. Drink a few beers and just relax. I said, cool, all bets are off. I got to drink. You know, I was two weeks shy of winning that bet, and uh, I drank. Boy, did I drink. And, uh, if there is such an invisible line, we cross over into chronic alcoholism. I crossed it that day. You know, I, uh, there was, I, there was no turning back for me. Uh, got real insane after that. <coughs> I, uh, I was off to the races. I rolled over everybody in my path too. You know, something happened during that, uh, during that, uh, six seven minutes they said i was dead whatever and uh and i experienced the peace and the calm like i'd never experienced before and the bottom line is i lost all fear of death and that's a bad deal for an alcoholic of my type a bad deal and it was just katie bar the door from that point on and uh you know i uh it got real insane after that and if you're here you probably got a pretty good idea um I want to share with you some of the consequences I was willing to pay out there in order to keep that existence going. Uh, <clears throat> it's by no means a prerequisite to coming to Alcoholics Anonymous and staying. This is just my story. If you've not been to places I've been, you don't have to go there. You can jump off right now and stay here and not have to experience any more of the crap or put your families through the crap I did. This is just what uh, went down with me. Uh, you know, the first ten years I drank were jail free. Last fifteen years I drank, I went to jail thirty-five times, and I wouldn't have believed that had you told me that. But one until I got here and went back through my life and didn't, doing that inventory, I come up with that number. Now I was a blackout drinker, so I probably missed a couple, but thirty-five was the number I come up with, and uh, I uh, <clears throat> had ten O.M.V.I.s in my name, drunk driving. I don't know what DUIs I think you call them out here, uh, had nine or 10 in your name. And I blamed you for that. If you're dumb enough to leave your stuff lay around and I got your social security number birthday, you were hit. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of guy, you know, kind of best friend I am. I put two of them on my best friend's driving record, you know, and, uh, he's a six foot five, 120 pound Afro American can't get away with that today they got computers in their cruisers <laughs> i put two up on uh mike mike's driver that's a tough amends he hit me <laughs> i had it coming trust me he went to jail over it <laughs> i uh you know i was i'm a b- multiple marrier uh I've been married five times, divorced five, finally.
1: Whee!
0: <laughs> that was a six-year fiasco. And uh, uh, I uh, I had six kids while I was out there, scared all over the state of Ohio. And I was an absentee father. You know, I'm not proud of that. And, uh, you know, that was one of the hardest things I dealt with while I was out there. It was one of the hardest things I had to deal with when I got here. You know, uh, when I got to y'all, I owed $92,000 in back child support. And that ain't no record, but that's what I owed. And, uh, you know, and the way that happened was, uh, you know, I have pretty good trade and, uh, I get the job and I'd be working long and all of a sudden they start zapping that check for that child support. And, uh, And I tell you in the bar, I said, man, they don't leave me enough money to live on, you know, when they're taking that child support out. I tell you that. And uh, the truth is, they didn't allow me enough money to drink and drug on the way I needed to after they took that child support out. And I moved to another job. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about here in California, but that Ohio Child Support Bureau is ruthless. They will find you. I, I worked in fictitious names with fictitious social security numbers and, and they would still find me and start zapping that check and, uh, and I'd run. And, uh, but when they were zapping that check, that allowed me an opportunity to see my kids and, uh, and, and I would do that. And, uh, I'd, I'd tell them on Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to come pick you up Friday after work and we're going to spend the weekend together and, uh, we're going to enjoy it. Have a good weekend we go to the zoo or camping or whatever it was going to be and, and Friday roll around and see, I didn't have an ID the last 15 years I drank and, uh, well at least not my own. And, uh, and so I'd have to go to the bar and cash my check. And, uh, and I'd, I'd go in there and I'm just going to drink one beer. Now I'm going to go pick up my kids. You guys know what happened. You know, it's that first one every damn time. And you know, George or somebody would come in and buy around and then Johnny would come in and buy around. It'd be my turn to buy around. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm beating on the bar. Oh, well, and you done it again. You worthless piece of crap. You done it again. You have disappointed those kids. And I'd hate myself for that. I would literally hate myself for that. But you see, alcohol had me right here. I didn't have any choices once I picked up that first one. And I hated myself for that. When I hate me, I hate you. And one of you would look at me wrong or say the wrong thing, and we'd be rolling around out in, out in the alley. Because, you see, I gladly trade physical pain for that emotional pain I was feeling inside. And, uh, and I lived like that on and on and on. And it just kept getting worse, never better. And, uh, you know, what I do need to share with you uh, before I forget is uh, when I got sober, my sponsor said, you got to pay that money back. You owe that money, and you got to pay it back, and you got to keep your current child support current. I said, what an order. I can't go through with it. <laughs> I said, you don't understand. I can't even get electric on in my name over here. He said, I don't care. You don't pay that, you're going to get drunk. And uh said, you're going to pay on it every week. You're going to get a money order because I wasn't allowed to have a checking account. You're gonna show it to me every Friday night, you're gonna put it in an envelope and you're gonna melt. And so I started doing that. And uh some weeks I some weeks I could only spend or send five or ten dollars. And uh but uh say success story, it's just the way it went for me. At thirteen years sober I wrote that last check. I now own my kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't give me a deed or a title or nothing to burn, but hell they're mine now. And uh, <laughs> Paid them off, and uh, you know what? What was going on unbeknownst uh, to me? Those kids were watching me. They were watching, and you know, and they weren't hearing the empty promises and stuff. They were seeing me by uh, my actions, what I was doing. They saw change in their dad, and that opened that door up a little bit for me to have the relationship I've got with them today. And uh, I got a great relationship with all of them, uh, you know. They, they don't all do what I want them to, but we got a good relationship. And, uh, I owe that all to Alcoholics Anonymous. And taking actions against my thinking that I didn't want to take, uh, I, uh, I've i got that relationship with them. Uh, you got the idea. Anyway, in uh, 1981, I got to reduce the Rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous to the court system. Imagine that. Got sentenced to two meetings a week for six months. Came in here, I listened. I listened very carefully. What I heard was the 12 steps of spirituality will fix the drink problem. See, but I separated myself from you all because I had a drug problem over here. And nobody so much as addressed smoking a joint from the podium of Alcoholics Anonymous and saving two meetings I went to every week, let alone stick a needle in their arm like I'd done for 20-some years by then. And I didn't think I could find recovery, uh, here. And, uh, I, uh, I missed it. What I thought I knew was a big dose of religion. Tried that numerous times. I grew up in the church. My grandpa was a, uh, a minister. And I'd seen these old broke down drunks come in there and, uh, get prayed over and dunked in the water and come up out of there, new men and stay that way. And I had the faith that that would work for me. So I tried that. You know, I honestly tell you, I've been sprinkled, dipped, dunked, prayed over, and exercised once. And, uh, it didn't take. Now, I will tell you this if you ever come to on your kitchen floor with three guys in black hats and black robes chanting, throwing oil or water or something on you, chanting in another language, you'll stay sober for two weeks. I did. Scared the crap out of me, boy. I'll never forget that. That was uh, wife number all. I was at a men's conference a couple years ago. He says very impolite to number our exes. So that was wife C that did that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: all I'll say. (laughs) Anyway. uh, I thought lack of money was my dilemma. Uh, you know, I got an opportunity to go down to Louisiana and work offshore oil drilling rigs. Made more money than God should allow a man like me to make. And uh, like I said, I started paying that child support and doing all the right stuff. But if I can tell you about that experience, is this. Instead of drinking bar whiskey, I was drinking wild turkey, my drink of choice. Instead of buying eight balls, I was buying OZs. And I started pulling deeper into this disease. And, uh, <clears throat> came back to Ohio on vacation, two week vacation, and, uh, I met victim number D, and, uh, <laughs> had a plan. You gotta love these plans, you know. While I was out there working offshore, we didn't drink, and, you know, smoked a lot of pot, but didn't drink. Maritime laws, you went to prison for that, so I didn't do it. And, uh, had time to think, and, uh, that's always bad. Uh, I, uh, had this plan. Well, I realized I hadn't grown up. I was 30-some years old and hadn't grown up, running around 19, 20-year-old guys. All my friends were married and raising their families and realized I hadn't grown up. I probably heard it in these rooms in 81. We quit growing emotionally when we started abusing alcohol or drugs. And, uh, and I hadn't grown up, so talking to myself, you know, well, man, what are you going to do? you got to have a woman in your life. You ain't grown up. What you got to do? What are you going to do? We find a young one to grow up with you right that was my plan so i met this 18 19 year old girl drank party like i did she got pregnant like all the other ones did and we got married and I'd like say happily ever after but of course that don't work uh five year two kids and five years later she outgrew me that's the simple way to put it and uh there i was again stuck with me and uh you know i started crossing lines really bad uh and, uh, you know, it always got worse. and never got better. Always got worse. And, uh, you know, I always felt any man beat a woman or a child's lesser man. I feel very strongly about that today. And, uh, in this, in this fourth marriage, I started put my hands on that lady. I ain't proud of that. Can't begin to tell you the remorse, shame, and guilt I felt over that. But that's what I did. And, uh. You know, in my opinion, there's only one thing lower than that. And I'll let you use your imagination where I think that is. I thought, my God, am I going to turn into one of those next? Is that what's next? You know, I had lucid moments now and then. And uh, I run my butt right into Alcoholics Anonymous in 1989. try to fix me and save that marriage. And uh, came in here and did everything y'all told me to do. Told me to get a sponsor. Get a home group. Go to meetings every day, read that big book every day, pray every day, and work these steps. And I started doing that stuff. And, uh, one more time, thanks to AA's help, I pulled myself up by the bootstraps and my life started getting better. And, uh, you know, but I was more focused on getting that material well-being, uh, fixed in my life, fixing up the outside instead of, uh, worrying about what is going on in the inside and uh <clears throat> and I skimped on some of that worse stuff in stock in that fourth and fifth step. I can tell you that for sure is where my program stopped. Uh I uh against my sponsor's advice, I did my fifth step with a buddy of mine who'd been in on most of it with me and uh yeah you know, I thought this was a good idea, you know, and uh, he's sitting there drinking a twelve pack and I'm reading this stuff to him and and I got to some of that 6 6 sex stuff that we all got. And I balked at telling him because I cared more about what he thought about me than I did my recovery. And I balked at telling him. And, uh, <clears throat> I had a backup plan. I was going to see some old drunk walking down the street. I was, I was going to jump out of my truck and say, hey man, you know what I did? Blah, blah, blah. Jump back in and peel, but <laughs> I never did it.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, you know, uh, I knew I had been thorough with that step, so I couldn't continue on with the other steps, you know, not successfully anyway, and, uh, it balked my program right there. Oh, Gina, she probably peeled because she knew I was going to say this. She hates it when I tell this part. Uh, you know, that guy that I did that, uh, fifth step that time, uh, he since got sober. I was about seven years sober, and he came in, he said, I need help, and he asked me to sponsor him, and, uh, I said, okay, George, I'll do that, you know, and I told him the importance of being thorough and honest in that fourth and fifth step, and uh, so, when he did his uh, fifth step with me, he was completely thorough and honest, and what I can tell you about that is this, had I known about his goat back in 89, I told him about my sheep, and I'd probably have a different sobriety date,
1: <laughs>
0: hell, you guys, it ain't that bad, you <laughs> can <laughs> I've heard some shit since there, but <laughs> that ain't nothing. <laughs> like he says, I, I I think it's physically impossible. Some stuff I've heard because I've tried it, <laughs> couldn't do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I ended up loaded again. Um, you know, I thought I could smoke just smoke pot. You know, that don't work. It makes you thirsty. Uh, in one no time I had a needle back in my arm, and uh, you know for the next two years it got real insane. Got real insane and uh, I lost everything, you know, and uh, I had all this stuff, and in four short months, me, my black 80-pound black lab and everything I own was living in a 73 Pinto out behind Lindy's Bar there in Columbus, and uh, it was a dead of winter. It was this time of year, in 89. One of the coldest winters we ever had in, in Ohio. And uh, had not been for that old dog a couple nights, I'd probably froze to death. And God sent me an angel. Uh, I truly believe that. He sent me angels throughout my drinking career and my sobriety. And uh, he sent me this angel. I was in a blackout the way I like to stay by this time because I'd alienated everybody by this time. Parents, sisters, everybody had enough. And uh, and I don't remember meeting this lady, but she came back three days later looking for me. Kind of tells you how sick she must be. And, uh, and I got to talking to her and uh, found out she met all my requirements. She had her own house.
1: <clears throat>
0: she had a brand-new car and driver's license, something I hadn't had in years. She uh, had a job she'd had for 10 years with a law firm, and I was always needing a lawyer. And then I found out she had a big bank account. I said, oh baby, where you been all my life? I reeled her right in, you know how we can be. And one no time, I, I was back in the saddle, you know, and, uh, living that life. And, uh, one no time behind that, I stuck a needle in that lady's arm for the first time in life to get to that bank account. And I did. I dragged her right down that gutter with me. I ain't proud of that. That's just the kind of person I was. It's all about me, what I need. And it got real insane. Started going to jail a little more often. Uh, anyway, uh, I shoved her one time for her real bad. And I ended up in jail where I should have ended up. And I made myself promise that time I'll never drink again. I'd promised everybody else, parents, exes, everybody, kids. But I never promised me, and this time I promised me. And uh, I come out of jail that time, and I didn't drink. And uh, eight months into that, I hadn't drank. It was her birthday, and she insisted that I toast her birthday with this Maui stuff. looked like fruit punch. I'm a wild turkey drinker; that can't hurt me. And I I said, "Okay." And I said, that now what happened to me is what only happens to real alcoholics. That phenomenon of craving kicked right in behind it, and I was off to the races, (laughs) straight to the liquor store, get me a bottle of turkey, and straight to the dope man after that, and." uh, for the next 15 days, I stayed drunk day and night. Don't think I blinked for 15 days either, if you know what I mean. And, uh, a whole series of events took place in that 15 days. I had a wreck and, uh, thought I killed this woman and, uh, and then it's like, and then I remember leaving the bar and seeing my transam burning up. And then next thing I remember is being on my couch flipping and flopping like a fish out of water. And, uh, I'm no stranger to DTs. I've shook down some of the finest jails across the United States. Nothing more than a wool blanket and a cement floor sometimes. and This time it hurt worse than all those times put together. And, uh, I never want to forget that. Every time I went into one of those convulsions, I said, God, please help me. God, please help me. And, uh, you know, and, uh, it just went on for three days. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like God had left the room. I, I felt an emptiness I'd never experienced before. Uh, I can't explain. I always felt I had a God edge, and it was gone. And I just wanted the screaming madness to stop once for all. And uh, I was ready to take myself out. That's what I was ready to do. I ate a whole bottle of pills. It just made me high. <laughs> and I, uh, uh, yeah, n- you know, nothing was working. This lady came home. She'd been working for my aunt, who was in AA cleaning houses. And uh, just out of the blue, she said, Hey, Bonnie wants to know if I want to go here. One of her new girls give her first AA lead. Do you want to go? It's like the light bulb came on. Hey, hey, I forgot all about you guys. And that wasn't an easy thing to do in the beginning. You know, I heard Keith, I think it was in 89 when I was here. And, and I remember him saying, he, he spoke at a conference there, I remember him saying, you know, just because you're in this room tonight, we can't guarantee you've taken your last drink. But I can guarantee you've enjoyed your last
1: one.
0: (laughs) I hated him. I thought, I'm enjoying this one, Keith Drum, you know, when I first went back out there. (laughs) uh, You know, and I never got back to that, enjoying my drinking, you know, when I was out there, that two years. You know, I go right from that that we all chase right into blackout you know it, the the good drinking times were gone for me and uh but uh you know that two plus years you know i would forgot about aa by that time and uh i jumped off the couch jumped in the shower did air, everybody at that meeting a favor by that i've been on a 15-day roll a three-day shakedown we burnt that couch and uh i mean it was bad and uh you know, her and I headed to that meeting. She's drunker than Cooter Brown, and you can't tell if I'm walking or riding a bicycle. Here we are. And uh, <laughs> all the way up there, I kept saying, I just don't want to see my old sponsor, Bill. God, I don't want to see him tonight, you know. One of many God ha-has to follow, you know. The only two seats in the whole damn place are right next to Bill. And, uh. So we go in there, and we see all these old-timers dragging these young people, new people off to the side. I knew they was talking about us. I didn't know what they was saying. I do now. They saying, see them too? If you drink again, you could end up just like them. (laughs) I know they were. You know, we went in there, and as soon as our butts hit the seat, they uh, started that serenity prayer. And I never want to forget that feeling of peace and calm that I experienced that time and that near-death experience that same feeling come over me that that night. And uh, I know that today to be a feeling of uh, being reborn and not of death. And something clicked inside me. I don't know if it was surrender, acceptance, of what you call it, but I know in order to live I had to be in these rooms. That came on me that night real hard. And uh, I honestly tell you from this podium, from that day to this, the compulsion to drink or do any dope has been lifted for me. Now, I'm sure it has something to do with what I do on a daily basis to stay sober, but it's gone. It's never returned. So something happened. Uh, I got that sponsor. He got me doing the stuff you need to do to stay sober. You know, and uh, you know, you know, sponsorship is. S- Second most important thing next to coming into these rooms that, that I've found here. And, uh, you know, uh, and I started this journey and I've kept my nose to the grindstone since I've been here and, uh, I stay busy. I have an active home group, uh, you know, we're, we're, at, uh, we're at Founders Day every year, giving out hot dogs at Dr. Bob's. A lot of you guys have seen us there. Get your Dr. Bob's hot dogs here. <laughs> and we have a ball, man. We've been all over the United States. We've been out here. I brought a group of us come out here a few years ago, and uh, I, because I wanted to share with them what, what you guys had here. And uh, we're getting ready to do it again, trying to get a group together for the 50th, and uh, it's like we're gonna have a few of us, and uh, you know. I, uh, every day hasn't been a holiday, though, you know, life is life, and, uh, you know, there's been some hardships, and, and then, but you've walked me through all those, you know, when I was five years sober, uh, you know, I got real close to my kids, and, uh, when I was five years sober, uh, my oldest son, he was 20, got killed by a drunk driver, and, uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever been through before or since, and, uh, she was there to carry me through that. And, uh, that's some tough stuff. And, uh, the guy who's responsible for it, uh, you know, I wanted him. I wanted him bad. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, you know, life for life. I, this is the most angry I've been since I've been sober. I wanted to kill this kid. And, uh, you know, I was with my, my son's body in the, in the, uh, funeral home four o'clock in the morning because i hadn't slept for three days after he got killed and he's in the funeral home and i was in there praying to god why him not me you know he'd just become a father just become a father his son was only like eight or nine months old and he snatched him out of here and uh, i was angry at god i was angry at that kid and uh, i'm down there praying asking god why and uh i hear a door rattle, and i look up and about from Hear that doorway there, there was that kid. And rage come over me. I hope to God I never feel again. And I got up from there, and I charged that boy, and I pulled back to hit him. And uh, I don't know if it was you, God, or what, but something happened. Instead of hitting that kid, I wrapped my arms around him. <clears throat> said, I forgive you for what you've done. Forgive yourself and go on with your life. And I hugged that boy, and we stood there and cried. i didn't know where it come from because it sure wasn't what was on my mind and uh had to be you or god or both and uh a piece of the puzzle we call life come together for me that day it's in forgiving that we are forgiven i heard it all my life didn't get it till then and uh it's in forgiving that we are forgiven and uh and I didn't have to drink. And uh I was able to let that resentment go. And, uh you know, I've learned some valuable lessons since I've been here. You know, what they say, what don't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> Whatever.
1: <laughs>
0: Whatever, you know. My last five years have been surrender after surrender after surrender this past five years and uh you know it's been uh you know <clears throat> I've, I've buried both my parents you know and my mom wants to thank you all for giving her a son she said don't you ever forget to tell those people thank you for giving me my son back she loved you guys and uh you know i've uh <clears throat> about five years ago i got diagnosed with hep with uh hep c it says real bad had the worst kind is progressed and blah 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 and my doctor said well you can either take this interferon or or you can just ride it out and i chose to ride it out because i'd heard all about that treatment and i wasn't going to do it and it was right before that i met this young lady and and uh you know and Right before I met her, a gal down the road called me up and said, uh, I'm pregnant and it's yours. She stopped by and visited every now and then and said, yeah, I've heard that before. And, uh, so, you know, uh, a few months later, two DNA tests later, I'm alcoholic. One wasn't good enough. Two DNA. It was mine. So. Damn, I'm back to paying child support again. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, a series of events took place and I ended up with custody of that little boy and, uh, about two and a half years ago. Man, he's the highlight of my life. Um, can't explain it, but I made a choice to live. I made a choice. Take them damn shots for that Aaron Furon. And, uh, it was a hard year. But, you know, I didn't miss a day's work. I didn't miss a meeting. I kept moving. I kept moving. I worked with more guys. I kept moving. And I was sick. I was sick. I lost 50 pounds. I was sick. But I had to keep moving because that's what you taught me. Just keep moving. Keep your feet moving. And, uh, I got through it. I got a clean bill of health. Lost fifty, gained seventy. <laughs> got cussy that little boy. You know, I've got eight grandkids, and uh, you know, five of them are uh, older than my son, and uh, they've nicknamed him Uncle Baby.
1: <laughs> Serious. <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: what that's done is it's brought me closer to my grandkids because we're invited to all the stuff you know, and you know all the birthday parties uh, I get to go and participate, get down and play with that truck, you know
1: <laughs>
0: and uh i uh got it it's the last thing in the world I thought I ever needed was another kid, you know, I'm serious. <laughs> My youngest next to him is 23. You understand? I was done with all that. And uh, it's been the best thing that ever could have happened. God knows best. It has brought a, a whole bright spot in my life that I didn't know. God's given me an opportunity to get it right this time. You know? Getting to do stuff with this little guy I missed with my other kids. You know, I was there some of the time, but I wasn't there. And I'm there today. I owe that all to you. And he loves AA. He's, he's my little AA dude. He goes around and shakes hands as soon as we get to a meeting. He shakes everybody and he harasses a few of them that he likes. And I mean, uh, and he will need these rooms. So I want to keep the traditions going here because he, I ain't going to save for his college fund. It's going to be rehab. He's definitely one of us. (laughs) I love him. He's my buddy though. He ride, you know, Gene and I both ride and, uh, and he, uh, he, uh, this year I went and got him fitted for a helmet and stuff. And, uh, and he, he's rode all over with me. And he fits right in there. I got the Screaming Eagle. It's got that wrap around seat, Screaming Eagle Ultra. And then it's got the back right for my back. He fits right down in there. And I ain't allowed to take that bike out unless he's on it. <laughs> he said, Oh no daddy, that's mine. That's my bike. <laughs> you can't wait for spring. And, uh, you know, God, what a blessing. What a blessing. And I could have missed it all, you know. You know, one drink, one pill, one joint, and all of it would have been gone, you know. I could have missed it all. I, uh, I'm truly blessed. And, uh, you know, I've got friends that everywhere, and, and thanks to this fellowship, and I, I've got a life beyond my wildest imagination. I owe it all to you. You I've got. I'm in a relationship today that is just phenomenal. She's the one I've been looking for all my life, and didn't know. Had to wait till she grew up. Uh. (laughs) I got a few years on her, (laughs) but you know, I'm happy today. I'm really happy, inside happy. And uh, you know, I owe it all to you, and I can't thank you enough. can't thank you guys enough for having us out here. I love y'all. Thanks. All right. Thank.